Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, it's Harmony. Thanks for listening. I want to introduce our guest today. But, you know, sometimes this practice of Ashtanga Yoga is really challenging and it's hard to find the energy and the inspiration to get up and do a practice each day. And if you're in that place where maybe you're dealing with an injury or an obstacle, whether it's mental or emotional or energetic to getting on the mat, this is definitely the episode you're going to want to listen to. Today we speak to Samantha Lucas, who's an old friend of mine. She's been practicing Ashtanga Yoga for over 11 years now. But back in 2016, she had a tragic motorcycle accident where she lost her right leg below the knee. And so she's going to share with us her amazing story where she wasn't sure if she would ever be able to do another sun salutation again. But through her years of practice before the accident, she came to use the breath and dive into sensation and her body and use these tools and techniques of yoga as a way to heal herself physically but also overcome great periods of depression emotionally and she really shares with us how the practice is really a way of taking care of our mind and our heart and our bodies and it doesn't matter what it looks like so i would encourage you to just dig deep next time you're on the mat and really connect with what you're feeling and the essence of the practice rather than getting caught up in what you can't do focus on what you can do and I think you'll have a really transformative experience and if you're looking for a little extra inspiration to get you on the mat I encourage you to join my free online yoga classes Monday to Wednesday each morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can find all the details on my website, harmonyslater.com. And even though sometimes we don't follow the traditional sequence, there's a lot of nice supplemental practices there. Hip opening, gentle back bend, shoulder opening, and you'll find the classes are good for all levels. So without further delay, here's our interview with Samantha Lucas. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm here today with Russell Case. Hello. And we are joined by Samantha Lucas. Hi, Samantha. Hi. How are you doing? Very well. Very well, thank you. It's a beautiful day in upstate New York. It's like 75 degrees outside, sunny and amazing. So we have a little bit of summer before the end of before winter starts. So yeah, isn't that called, that's called like an Indian summer, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right. All nice. the leaves are gone, but uh, but it's seventy five degrees. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not quite so lucky up here in Canada, but the sun <laughs> is shining today, so that is a bonus. <laughs> oh, the poor little squirrels are out this morning looking for nuts because it's it's a, w- a little respite between snowstorms. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's us too. It's supposed to start raining on Wednesday again, so it'll be cold. But you know, it's it's nice. 
Yeah. I'm a California girl originally, so I um, love this 75 degree weather. Like this is perfect San Diego weather right. where I grew up. <laughs> you you were telling us right before we started broadcasting that you were actually uh, from California, which surprised me because we were talking about San Francisco a little yeah. bit. Uh, I know today that we, you know we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the 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 accident that that happened to mm -hmm. you, and uh, I think that's that's the your states of mind as you went through that process are really um, what fascinates us about your story, uh, and I think everyone else who's who's listening will as well. But I want to kind of introduce everybody to you. Mm -hmm. I'd have to think: Were your parents in the military? Is that why you were in San Diego? Yeah, actually, um, my dad was a lifetime uh, double dipper. So he was in the Navy for 20 years, and then he retired and went back and worked for the Navy in Coronado in San Diego. So uh, my brothers got to move around. But uh, when we moved to San Diego, I was just a baby. And my mom said that uh, if if you get stationed somewhere else, you can go. I'm not going with you. <laughs> She'd had enough. <laughs> well, San Diego is a really great place to live and to grow up. And it, the weather is amazing. And, and yeah. yeah, so it's hard to leave San Diego, even though I did. But uh, yeah, it's a great city. Was it very hard for him when the Chargers left for LA? Oh, I have not watched a base a football game since the Chargers because not only did they leave San Diego, which is contentious on it in yes. and of itself, they went to LA. Ah! Um, it was, so, it's such a betrayal. Yes. I, I mean, haven't at least, watched a football game since. Like I'm done. <laughs> at least the you know the Raiders went to Vegas and the Rams. Right came to yeah. LA but for the Chargers to leave yeah. San Diego and go to LA is such an obnoxious it's, betrayal it's awful <laughs> yeah awful and I, I I mean the ownership there was not great I mean they they just no. wouldn't build a new stadium no and they kept no. blaming it on the people of San Diego which it wasn't that wasn't the case and, and yeah. so yeah they didn't want it they didn't want to spend the money so you know, that's what happens. So, but we have a really great baseball team. So <laughs> did you, did you grow up watching, watching Tony Gwynn? Is that your, is that your oh, guy? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, so my, so I played uh, softball when I was young. Um, and um, it was something my dad and I just used to do together. Um, you know, we could go to the bleachers for 25 cents at the Murph, you know, Jack Murphy mm -hmm. stadium. And, mm -hmm. uh, you could go and we went to a ton of games together when I was little and it was just something we always did. And we, and whenever I'm home, we still go. So yeah, I, I've always loved baseball for sure. Oh, that's so nice. Well, you know, that's interesting. There's something really kind of, um, I, what's the right word kind of, uh, 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 not old fashioned, but uh, homespun about that kind of story. You know, a military dad in the Navy, and it's and apple pie and baseball, and then <laughs> and then you went out and did something really weird. You see, yeah. why did you went and started doing yoga, and you moved to San Francisco of all places? Yeah, what well, was what I was actually, wrong with I, you? I, <laughs> yoga happened much later. I actually lived in San Fran um, just because of a job I was working that they moved me there. Um, mm -hmm. Then I moved to Seattle because I, I went back to school in my early late twenties. And um, what I, did you go to um, school for there? 
it's a very convoluted story, but I actually did my degree in, in um, Greco-Roman history and classics. Oh, that's amazing. So I, <laughs> really? I have, a, I have a minor in Latin and two You don't. One in ancient history and one in classics. So, oh, yeah. that's fantastic! That's amazing. Sadly, at the you know, it's funny because University of Washington in Seattle has an amazing um, Sanskrit department, and yeah. had I known back then, you know, I should have. I, I mean, I really wish I could would have known better at the time, but you know, these things um, <laughs> you never know until after. But the thing was, is I was doing pre med at when I went to school. I went back to be a dentist, um, and I was in the pre med program. And I have terrible, like crippling test anxiety. And oh, pre-med really? is, is super um, competitive. And I just could not compete. I, my brain would completely go blank um, wow. when I went into a test. And I'd come out and I'd immediately know how to answer a question without looking at any books or anything but the stress. I couldn't do it. So this is leading into the yoga thing. Um, a mm-hmm. friend of mine who was a Microsoft um, retiree. She was like an MIT computer science um, master's uh, graduate and was at, and had left Microsoft to teach yoga. And somebody had, and she was a friend of a friend. And somebody said, Oh, you know, you'd really like her. You should, you should go and, and maybe, maybe yoga will help you with your test anxiety. Um, And so I started practicing. She was a, um, a Yengar trained teacher and um, mm-hmm. she was amazing. She was super smart. And, and um, now, granted, that style didn't resonate with me as much as Ashtanga did eventually. But I stuck with it for a long time. And it didn't solve my test anxiety problems. That's why I switched to doing a, a, a liberal arts degree instead of a medicine <laughs> degree. Because <laughs> I could manage those tests for whatever reason. They weren't as competitive. So, you know, it's that funny thing. So then I started practicing. And then I moved and... and um, I finished school and we we moved to China and I've lived all over the place and wait, in wait, Beijing. What do you mean we we moved to China? Like everybody? <laughs> no, I was I was married to my first husband, and um, we really wanted to learn Chinese. We were both polyglots, both loved languages, and so wow. the best way to learn a language is to go live there. So I That's graduated, true. and he was kind of in between. Um, he was also Microsoft guy and uh he was between contracts and so we said let's move to china so we did we moved to beijing and studying chinese and and um and in beijing there was this amazing yoga studio who was it was owned by a chinese lady and her husband was an indian um again another iyengar trained teacher um and he they had an ashtanga teacher a vinyasa teacher and an iyengar teacher there and it was great wow so, wow um, and so you yeah. continued practicing yoga there so i still i dabbled yeah i would practice different styles i hadn't really found mm-hmm. anything that really was like oh this is the way well, what what year then, was that that you were that envisioned? was 2000 like three and uh, 2004 and five was when i was there okay and um and so then um, that marriage disintegrated um, in a very abrupt and painful way. Um, oh, because and, of China. Um, no, just, <laughs> just I don't know. It was because of China. It was just it, it just wasn't meant to be. So yeah. um, I, I just, just a, said that my, I think my first marriage also disintegrated because of China. But that's, China? that's a different it's a different well, story. I... <laughs> it was also it was Taiwan too. It's different. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, so I was really in a really 
difficult situation. I didn't have, I mean, I had a really great job in, I was teaching English in China that I loved. Um, I, I, this is another weird thing. I actually worked on an oil rig. Um, I taught English on an oil rig to the Chinese. Um, oh, that's uh, fantastic. On the oil rig. So it was kind of, I, and not many people can say they had a helicopter other than Donald Trump or whatever had a, had yeah. a helicopter to work every, uh, every day. But yeah. uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. But um, so anyway, the, the um, I I loved that job. I, I well, I, I doubt I would still be doing it now, but um, I would have continued doing it had my marriage not fallen apart. And it was just a difficult time to be alone in mm-hmm. China going through a really devastating breakup. Yeah. And, um, and just to say that I know a lot of a lot of guys who like once they started teaching, like that became a career and you become an expat and you just you, mm-hmm. you end up you know, you end up there for like 10, 15, 20 years just teaching English. And it's, it's a weird sort of life because it's a little discombobulating that it can be really kind of weird. It's almost like that phrase, like you can never go home again. It's, it's really tough coming home after that. Yeah. Well, um, I didn't. Um, I so my job um, had just started when um, I the breakup happened, and I had signed a year contract. So I would work a month, and then I'd have a month off. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was in a like I said, I was I was really in a clinically depressed state. I was really not um, in a good place at all, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I wanted to go to Thailand and Cambodia and I'd never been there before. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take the next month and go to Thailand. Well, and that's where, um, I kind of, I said, but I really need to do some yoga because I really feel out of, um, discombobulated. I feel like I'm lost. I'm kind of struggling. Well, very, very much struggling. And so I Googled yoga in Thailand and, um, (laughs) I had no idea what Mysore style Ashtanga yoga was, but the website kind of seemed like, like it was a legit place that they were kind of, <laughs> you know, more um, yoga Thailand. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, so it's kind of funny. And and we missed, like, just missed. Um, you had left there just soon yeah. before that, I think. Yeah. And um, and so I went there, and and within like seriously within the first, I was only supposed to stay for ten days. Um, within the first week, I was like, what is this? And this is the best thing I've ever done. And so that 10 days, like turned into six weeks, I stayed, I quit my job, I never went back, I was like, I got to get out of it. Um, I I just couldn't. And I knew that this was like the the right path for me at this point. And uh, it lifted me out of that depression. And in such a profound and amazingly fast way, um, it was just unbelievable. And I mean, there were days and it was such a safe place. Um, I, you know, just being there to practice with good food and good people to talk up to and, and processing a lot of really heavy duty stuff. And I remember one day, um, just like my entire, I remember every time I'd get to Prasarita Padottanasana C, cause I carry all of my tension in my shoulders and my mm-hmm. solar plexus. Right. And so I'd get there and I'd start crying, like oh, just whenever man. anybody even came close to me to, to give me an assist in Prasarita C, I just would like lose it. And, and, um, 
but it was a good would thing. You, like it was. Would you yeah. cry and then and it would release, or were you resisting yeah. and crying? Well, I was probably resisting for a long time. You know, I, yeah. I, it took me a while to. And funny enough, fast forward, like that's where I held all of my tensions again after the accident for other, I think for other reasons, but also emotional, but physical as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I know we have yeah, these, so, we have these little pockets in our bodies, I think, and everybody yeah, has their yeah, sure. special yeah. little place that they like to put all their stress <laughs> and anxiety in. That's right. <laughs> it's totally real. So yeah. I, yeah, so I ended up staying there for that six weeks. Then I, I left and I came back like at the end of the year and stayed for another six weeks. And then I went to my first, I, I came back, I was practicing in the city in New York and and then I said, okay, I'm just going to go to India. And um, I I was not even doing full primary at that point. And I came, went to India and practiced. And that was the summer of 2008. I spent three months there. So, yeah, uh, it was great. And then you, yeah. you eventually, you became authorized with, with Sharat, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, 2014, I was authorized, yeah. So about six, six trips, was it? So it was more like, yeah, I think... Well, I'd been practicing. I'd missed a couple of years just because of life and stuff. And yeah. uh, so I think it was my, yeah, it was my sixth trip there that I got wow. authorized. Yeah. And at that point, what was a, a typical morning like for you? you? Where were you when you were going back and forth to India and what, what kind of work were you doing? So at that point, um, I am very lucky because um, in the midst of all of this, um, I had a friend who um, was also a motorcycle rider. That's how I met my husband. Um, and this is, and then I met a, a friend um, and I, he Your had suffered husband. from my current husband. Yeah. He had suffered um, from, he has suffered from chronic depression his entire adult life. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew this, he was a friend of ours um, through motorcycling. That's how we knew him. And um, he lived in New York City. He he would commute to New York City from North Carolina, so he went home every weekend. And wow. um, yeah, it's what you could do that back. You know, it's easy. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I reached out to him and I said, I just don't even know what to do. I I I've never felt this horrible. And this was be this is while I was at Yoga Thailand, mm -hmm. and um, and he wrote back and he was very sweet and he was like, you should just quit your job and come on the road because every year we would. That's how we, every year there's a group of BMW motorcycle riders that meet in Europe oh, somewhere. That's and my so dad's I had a, bike too. And I, have a bike, I have a bike in Europe. I had a bike in Europe. That one, it's not, it's still there, but I don't want to ride it anymore. And then, um, so that's, we would go. So Jeff said, well, I have all the hotels reserved. Why don't you just come and you have your own bike. If we don't get along, then you can go off and do what you want. Right away. I mean, I toured all over Europe by myself anyway. So that wasn't a big deal. Like I, on a motorcycle. So, yeah. Yeah. I've wow. done most of Italy by myself and, and uh, yeah. So um, that's what happened. And, and then the rest is history. I did come back. I did go on the trip with him and, and then it was way too soon for me to have a serious relationship, but I knew that, that Jeff was just a really special man. And, and I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. So that's what would happen is I would, I was staying with him, but then when things got a little bit too crazy, when I was too emotionally, you know, and I was practicing really um, deep, you know, still primary, but you know, the first year of practice is, is really 
yeah. crazy. So much changes. And, um, yeah. So much um, emotions and all of this. So I, I, I'd say whenever I'd like kind of lose it, I'd be like, okay, I'm going away. And I'd, I'd go to India or I went back to Thailand or, and then I, yeah, it's, <laughs> nice. it was an interesting <laughs> couple of years. So it was kind of good because it kind of established the yoga prenup. Like I told Jeff, I, yeah. Said, yeah. I said, I go to India a lot. <laughs> and this, if you can't deal with this, then this is not going to work. And and so we we joke about the yoga prenup. So. <laughs> and in in New York, were you where were you practicing? Were you with Eddie there in Manhattan? No, I started with. I was very poor, so um, I didn't have a job because I left China and I had some savings. But uh, and I was trying to live in New York City, so no, I, I was practicing with Guy, and he gave me a job cleaning the nice. studio. So I uh, had that I job. With, for, for about a year, I practiced with him, and and uh, maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was more like two years. Um, yeah, and then I would go to India, and then I came back and went and da da da, and and so then then I switched, and I was practicing with John Campbell for a while because he was oh nice, uh, um, which was for about a year I practiced with him, and and then I moved upstate, so I wasn't in the city that much. We bought a house upstate. And I realized how much work it was. And so I basically for like two years, I, I didn't go into the city, even though um, we had an apartment in the city. My husband still works in the city. Um, and uh, so I was you not like a little place there still. But well, not anymore. Like we did finally just let it go in August because his he hasn't had to be at work since, you know, Right. right. So, yeah. um, and, and he may never have to go back to that office. And so we'll see what happens. Um, but the house was way too much work. And our cat, as much as she, he was a city cat and an apartment kitty until we moved up here. And I tried to bring him back and forth. And he, it was like we were torturing him, the poor boy. And uh, he, we couldn't. He just would like panic in the car. And I tried, and I tried everything, and it just didn't work. So I felt bad leaving him. So we, I ended up being up here. And then after a couple years, I was like, oh, you know, I really kind of needed to work with the teacher more regularly. So then I started, you know, going into the city for a couple days a week, and that's when I started practicing with Eddie. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. I'm. I didn't know that we had all these. His parallels yeah. together. I, yeah. I I also studied Latin for a couple of years and very, oh. <laughs> very history of, of, uh, focused. Um, I also took a semester of Latin. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> my um, my dad uh, toured around Europe in a motorcycle in um, I think after he was discharged from the army in in seventy one, seventy two, seventy three. He would you know travel Europe and. And uh, he would, um, what do they call? I think they, <clears throat> he would import uh, hashish from another country. Oh. What's it called? <laughs> uh, smuggling. smuggling. And so he would, he would smuggle hash <laughs> in his oh motorcycle God. wheels and then bring it into Europe. And then he would sell hash cigarettes to American servicemen just on his motorcycle oh all God, over Europe funny. doing that, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> So I, I spent my whole childhood on the back of a of a Harley Davidson and mm. like famously asleep every time. Oh. Like I just I was as soon as he put me on the bike, I'd fall asleep, and he would just sit there. He would have to ride the bike with he would drive the bike with one hand and then hold me with the other hand so I wouldn't fall off. 
Yeah. And that was oh like years goodness. of my life. On, that was the on 70s. <laughs> that was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> um, you both uh, have had Guy as one of your Guy first teachers. As one, it was one of our first teachers, too. Yeah. Um, I'd also, another interesting parallel, um, my brother's father, Cy Fruchter, who is uh, Simon, who's uh, Jewish, um, he uh, had an accident. And he was uh, playing uh, football at the University of Michigan and uh, got a big bone bruise on his mm. shoulder and elbow and it turned cancerous and they had to, they had to remove his arm and remove his, and remove his um, the, the whole limb. I think a couple surgeries in a row. Um, and that was, that was something that was always kind of a story, you know, like my, that we had, you know, Dave, my brother, David, David's father only had one arm. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just wanted to know if you could, um, you had an accident where you, you, you were in a motorcycle accident and you also lost a limb, if that's correct. Yes. Well, I was actually, it was the year, the, the last, in 2016, um, we were planning on our annual trip to Europe. Jeff and I had done it together since we'd been together. Um, I'd done a few before that because that's how I met Jeff. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I was uh, on my, I, we were going, to, it was going to be in Wales. It, it was in Wales in 2016. And so we had this whole trip planned and we, we keep our bikes in Germany and in, in Heidelberg um, with a guy who is the motorcycle yogi. Um, he's just <laughs> this um, really great guy and, and he has a big warehouse. He stores people's bikes for them and it's, an, it's a and b that's all motorcycle themed anyway. Wow. So we stayed there and so we picked up our bikes and then we headed to, um, Am, you know, up to Amsterdam to take the ferry over to Newcastle and then we were schlepping our way. It was, it's a hike to get to Scotland. We were going to do a tour through Scotland um, mm -hmm. before the, the meeting in Wales. So um, the first day we got, we finally got to, we were up near Loch Ness, um, at an abbey that we were staying at that had been converted into a beautiful place to stay. And, um, we were out on our first day of fun riding, like touring through Scotland. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was the first hour of the first day. And, um, I made a mistake. I, I passed a truck and, um, a car was coming the other side and I mm. saw it too late. And I, I, I and now I'm thinking, I, I thought that I hit my pannier, hit the front bumper of the truck and that made me wobble and fall. But I actually think I braked really hard and I wobbled and fell. But mm. I don't know. That's the one thing I don't remember. I remember everything else, but I don't remember exactly what I did wrong. Um, needless to say, I, I fell off the bike and kind of spun around and my bike went flying across the road and I somehow spun around and the rear wheel of the lorry that I was passing ran over my leg. Oh. So, um, so I was like, the first thing, this is going to make you laugh. The first thing I said, because guess what? 2016 was the first teacher training that Sharat G oh. was doing in India oh, and I was leaving from Scotland after our trip. I was going straight to India for that month long. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the first thing I said was, you better let Sharat know I'm not coming. <laughs> like oh. on the road, I said this. Yeah. 
Wow. Oh, oh my God. Did you did you know immediately how bad it was as soon yeah, as it happened? I didn't um well I didn't so not immediately I didn't look because I didn't want to see it. I knew yeah. it was bad. But um I was laying waiting for the ambulance to come and I wear full gear, full helmet, full yeah. riding gear, everything all the time. That's right. It's just not I don't go on a bike without it. That's and I right looked way. in the middle of the road and I saw my boot and I was like, Oh, and I said to my husband, I said, is my foot over there or is it still connected? He's like, no, your foot's still here. But in order for my boot to come off, you know, it was lace yeah. up. Yeah. It yeah. had to be really bad. And yeah. so, um, so I, I kind of knew, well, I didn't know, you don't know at that point. And then oh we get to the hospital and they kind of woke me up and <laughs> they had put the x-rays of my foot. Cause I guess they needed my approval or something. So they wake sure. me up from being drugged and Jeff has his iPhone with a picture of the, of my crushed foot bones. And he's like, oh this God. is your foot, you know? And I, but I, I, at, by that time I was like, yeah, it's, it's done. You know, I, I knew once I saw my boot in the middle of the road, I knew that my foot was destroyed beyond recognition because there's no way your boot can come off without right. it being completely messed up. Right. That's so, an incredible yeah. sentence to ask someone. Is my <laughs> foot over there? I'm shocked by by your poise. I mean, were, were you in such a state of shock that you weren't feeling things? Oh, no, point? no. <laughs> no, no. It was very painful, but... Um, the, I was in excruciating pain, but the, the nothing, you can't do anything. You have to wait. And so I, my friend who also practices yoga, Jeff was on the phone, like kind of dealing with trying to get an ambulance. And it turns out 911, even though that's not the emergency code in Scotland, it does work. So oh, um, that's it, amazing. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but um, my friend Martin, um, who, who, has been to India. We shared an apartment for a long time um, there. He, um, he, came, he was with us. He was riding with us. And, and he was like, okay, Sam. He's like, you know how to breathe. You just have to breathe. And so he's like, just calm your breath down and just, you know, yoga breathing. And I was like, oh. And uh, so, so that's what I did. I had to because it was the only thing that could kind of help me last. And then I just, in my mind, I just kept saying, okay, I'm just waiting for the ambulance. And I was just listening for the ambulance sound. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So laying on the road, it was, it, yeah. So, but the, but even then it's once you've been practicing, you know, I've been practicing for what, 10 years by then almost, or mm -hmm. eight, yeah, yeah, 10 years by then. And you know, it's, it's in you, as you know, it's just part yeah. of you. And so everything you do is guided by that practice and you have it in you to, for those situations. That's, that's why I practice is for yeah. the bad stuff in life. You know, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. Do you think so without a practice, you would have reacted very differently? You know, I don't know. I, it's hard to say because um, everybody copes in a different way. I definitely, yeah. you know, I, I think that the practice, I mean, all I can say for sure is that I know that the practice got me through once again, another very difficult period in my life, you know, and, yeah. and that was 
because well then when I when they did get to the hospital and when they did the amputation and I woke up the next day um you know I I didn't you know you don't know I'm like how am I ever going to do yoga again I only have one leg you know how how, and you don't know you you do go through this whole thing um but you know the, the third day um I was having really bad phantom pain. Yeah. And for me, my, my father, my brother's father had that all the time. The best way to describe it for me, what I experienced was, you know, in the wizard of Oz, how, when the wicked witch is, is the house lands on her and the mm-hmm. feet like retract under mm-hmm. the house. Yeah. That's what I felt like. It felt like this weird, like retraction. And um, right. so um, I don't know where, nobody said this to me or anything, but I was like, you know what? I bet you yoga nidra would be really, really effective in this. And mm. so something just, and so that's what I did. And when I would get, because that's what phantom pain is, is your brain hasn't learned that that limb is not there anymore. So mm-hmm. you have to train your brain to, that it's not there. And yeah. so for t- for those two weeks, I was in the hospital in Aberdeen for two weeks. And every day, morning and night, I did yoga nidra. And when I got to the limb that was gone, I just said, it's not there. It's not there. And um, and within two weeks, all of my phantom pain was gone. I was still in pain. Really? The phantom pain is gone. And I've never had it again. That's amazing. Because yeah. Sai had it for decades. And yeah, a lot of what he did... Do. What yeah. he did, he just shot a lot of heroin. <laughs> and that was and his way of, of managing that. Yeah. And it actually, yeah. I mean, of course, that dis- that destroyed that, that marriage to my mom was yeah. was him doing that because it's you can't live with someone like that. No. And but you ha- but it you doesn't work. Drugs weeks. don't really work. Yeah, drugs really don't. I mean, of course, I believe that it had a lot to do with the fact that I had already been working on this body connection through yoga and right. yeah. um, so I, I feel that I was ahead of the game in that regard because I had already been processing these really difficult things through our yoga practice. And, right. um, and so and feeling was, like your mind in your body and your body, yeah. how the two are like so intimately connected. You already had that understanding and awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe I'm lucky because it was a, you know, some people say if it's traumatic, then it's, then it, the phantom pain is worse. Or some people say, well, mine wasn't that. Everybody's different. I think if anybody learns anything about amputees in this whole thing is that no one amputee is the same. Everybody has different issues. And um, you just have to uh, approach them as they come because everybody, you know, it's, it's the prosthetics are different for everybody and finding the right prosthesis is, is a challenge and all of that. So, yeah. It, it sounds like there's a lot of a lot of process f- to go through. Like you, you have a. It's almost like having a project to work on, mm. coming yeah. back from an injury. But I, I'd have to think that the, in those first couple of days where you're lying there in bed, that you're cycling through thoughts of what's going to happen now and and what are you going to do. What, was that something that that was happening for you? Well, I think the thing was, was they were trying to say, well, I, my husband and I were trying to save my knee. Um, one of the docs 
the the plastic surgeon in Scotland basically said, oh, we'll just amputate above her knee and she'll heal fast and she'll be better off for it. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, I don't think so. <laughs> because I knew that my knee was fine. Like I could tell that my knee was fine. And, and I feel like because my hips were open, like the way it rolled, my knee didn't get messed up, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, and um, I said to Jeff, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I want to do everything because my, this is a little gr- grim. Um, my skin smart. ripped all the way up to the middle of my thigh, like behind mm-hmm. my knee. Oh. So, so there was definitely whether or not my skin would be able to come back. You know, if, mm-hmm. if there was too much dead tissue, then yes, of course, that I would probably have had to have been amputated above the knee. However, I didn't want to make that choice right from the very beginning. I wanted to do everything I possibly could to save my knee because the thing is, is so every step I take is 30% harder than um, a person with two sound legs. Mm-hmm. Um, an above knee amputation is 70% more physical for physically challenging. So there's a huge difference between above knee and below knee amputees. And so I didn't know that at the time, but I don't know, I guess I was like, well, I want to do my best to try and save my knee. So, um, so we said, okay, send us home. Cause the, and, and we said no to that doctor. We're like under no uncertain terms, do you above, do you amputate above the knee until we get back to the U S right. and, um, so that's when I got life flighted back to the U.S. This was I was there two weeks. I also had a pulmonary embolism from the accident, so Jesus. flying was tricky. You know, so um, well, what does that was, look like when you fly? So we had to. We actually went. Um, it was short hoppers um, that didn't go very high. So I was on it. I went from Aberdeen to Iceland, Iceland to Newfoundland. And then mm. Newfoundland to JFK. But are you lying down? How are you doing it? Yeah, you're. Oh, it was a jet that was. It was a life. It was um, um, yeah, it was me and a do- and two docs with me and Jeff on a jet, um, which was incredibly uncomfortable. Everybody thinks, oh, you got a private jet. I was like, no, I was <laughs> on like a gurney the whole time. Like my butt was so sore by the time we yeah. got to New York. I thought, oh my god, this is terrible. But uh, yeah. But that's so, going to be incredibly expensive as well. Yeah, $85,000. Yeah. But we had traveler's insurance and repatriation insurance. Oh, so, yeah, God. Insurance paid for it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I have traveled to Europe, to India without that. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's good. it's good to have... It's good to have. It's not that expensive. It's totally worth buying. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're on a motorcycle, I would think. Yeah, exactly. I know, a, I know a guy who stuck his arm outside of the bus in India and lost his arm because you don't stick your hand outside the bus. <laughs> no. And like the whole, like, uh, I, I, I could easily imagine that happening to me. Um, yeah. So you, you didn't find yourself... When I, I had asked you if, if you had found yourself cycling through thoughts of, of say, depression again or oh, yeah. impossibility in your future, but yeah. but you immediately brought it back to the the process of just of just healing. Well, and you know, of course, I went through some pretty dark time, 
And, um, you know, there were some days and, and all, I had 14 surgeries in total, um, over a period of what, two years. Um, I didn't have a prosthesis for 18 months. And so, um, there's lots of pain involved in your back when you are, I mean, I was in a wheelchair and on crutches, but you, you get really unbalanced because you're not using that right side. So you become very, very weak. Um, and the, but and sometimes you just think, God, is this is this struggle worth it? You know, like you really do go through that um, yeah. darkness. And um, I and that was when my husband at one period of time um, when I was having I had an infection and I had a whole procedure that went bad and they had to reverse the whole thing and that added two more surgeries and it was just like lengthening. It took so long for me to get my prosthesis. And, and, um, and so my husband came to me one day, I was laying in bed and miserable. And, um, he just said, you have to do some yoga, like period, like you cannot continue like this. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and so as much as I like was like, shut up, (laughs) Um, he was absolutely right and and so then what we did was you know I now this was like months later like I I, when I got home from the hospital the first time I was down in the yoga studio right away um, and I could only do a few sun salutations the first few days I was down there in my pajamas and and I get down there on my butt and and do what I could do um (laughs) But then, you know, and you, after surgery, and then the anesthetic, anesthesia is really so difficult. Um, it, it's so hard on the body. It makes you feel terrible. And then I was on a bunch of other meds as well. So it was like every, you know, I, my, my practice for a long time was until I needed to puke. And I didn't actually puke, but it was like that, that nausea that would yeah. overcome you that you're like, okay. And if it were three sun salutations, well, then that was my practice for the day. And, um, and how, but, but without a prosthetic, yeah. how would you even come to stand and then lie down? Balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Amazing. know we've done utita hasta parangustasana for how many years so yeah. you know that and it was it, that actually well there's a funny story i was in the hospital in new york and um there was a pt room and there's a pt that teaches you like how to go up and down stairs and how to get from your chair to your bed and and depending on what you need doing and mm-hmm. um so they all knew that i was you know pretty um I was pretty strong anyway. And, um, so they, um, we were in this PT room and had like an elevated, um, uh, platform that had like a cushion on it, you know? And, um, so I, I said, and I'm in like the silly, um, you know, the, the, the hospital gowns yeah. and um, and you wear one one way and one the other way. So your bum's not hanging out now. Like mm-hmm. you do too. So, <laughs> That's but, good. Um, so we're in this room, but then <laughs> when you're in the hospital, everybody sees you naked and you just kind of get over it. You're like, I just don't even care. You know, yeah. you've got too many other things to worry about. So it's like, well, whatever. Well, so I'm in this PT room and there's other like, nurses and doctors in there not there's no people other than Jeff my husband was with me and I said I just wanted to see if I could do on this platform if I could do um downward facing dog and um so in this like 
hospital gown. <laughs> I totally like push up and the, my PT, she was great. She was just like, oh my God. So, cause my butt's like hanging out and doing downward facing dog. And she like goes and grabs a sheet and throws it over me. So I'm not smashing yeah. the world, but I was just so totally elated because that was the first time I would, had done it. And I, before that, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to do that right. again, yeah. you know, right. cause how do you do it on one and so yeah. um, it was quite comical. My husband was just laughing. He's like, "Oh my gosh, like, I'm, I can't take this anymore." <laughs> and, uh, but, but um, you know, so and and I had been practicing in bed like soon after the accident. Even in Scotland, like probably like day four when I was more lucid and awake, um, I would wake up at like four because they would do like blood draws every morning. So I was awake. So I would do like all of the seated postures on my left side because that's the side that I could do it on. Wow. You know? Just, and then just sitting in the practice. bed? Yeah, just sitting in the bed and yeah. and the pranayama practice as well. So And then the yoga nidra. So I had a really robust practice whilst in the hospital. <laughs> wow. That's. Yeah. I think that must have been super helpful for yeah. like just maintaining some semblance of like positivity yeah. and – um, well, connection was, with the, yourself. If there was a day that I had a surgery or something that I didn't get it done in the morning, or like I didn't get it done the day next day or whatever, like my husband would always show up around seven in the morning, and um, he would be like, "You didn't practice because mm. that day, like emotionally, I could not function. Like I was right. just a mess, wow. and yeah. so." So very early on, I realized that if I was going to survive this, um, that I had to practice, I had to figure out. So it was never really a choice of, of if I was going to practice, it was, mm -hmm. okay, how? And right. I feel like that's such a better way to approach practice because so many people, oh, I've hurt my shoulder. And yes, everybody has injuries. Like I'm not, I'm not at all diminishing people's injuries. What I'm, what I want people to understand is that, well, then don't do the postures that hurt that, that day, right. you know, mm -hmm. like, like you can do one legged try. Like I encourage you to answer your question, Russell, like go and do a one legged Surya Namaskara. You'll see you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just wow. stand on one leg, hold it up and, and you can do it. And, and you just figure out how to do it. Now, right. the one thing that was, that took me, Eddie and I, we worked in, and I have to like give Eddie like a ton of like, just ugh, love and just gratitude because you know, whenever things started getting dark and twisty, like I soon after, so I came home in July uh, from the hospital in New York. So end of July. And so September, I started driving into the city to go and practice because um, I, I needed to have that kind of community. And so, um, so, and, and Eddie was just so supportive and and whenever the dark and twisty times would happen he would always or when everything got too serious on the mat or i was in pain or whatever he always was really great at just making a joke and and making it you know light again that to to realize just to not take everything so seriously and um and it it really helped because i'd just kind of giggle and 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 laugh and then i'd be like oh you know just get just keep going you know do what you can do and and that was um, 
and and there was no judgment like he was like whatever you need to do you know we'll figure it out and and mm -hmm. that was just really and Shiratji was the same I mean when I went to India this last season like he was he's like yeah whatever <laughs> he didn't say that but because <laughs> that's not that's not his words but <laughs> yeah. you know I just did my practice and and he was like great <laughs> you know so I remember yeah. we we saw you um I think it was Miami on this last tour before COVID that was New yeah. York was it New York and yeah. Miami and Miami yeah that's New York right. and oh. Miami and yeah. uh, it was really sweet. You know, we, we were able to, to get you a, a spot up front. We'd reserve a spot for you. And I, I was, I was really, really liked that. Uh, did you find, the, I remember at that time you, you had your prosthetic. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember if you used it to the course of the practice or did you take it off to practice? Uh, I, let me think. I'm trying to think. So it was a process and I don't exactly remember when I was able to practice fully with my prosthesis on the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, it took time. Um, I know because I, I went to Portugal when Shiratji was in Portugal. Wait, was that was like, like a couple years back. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And then I know I had to take it off. Like I couldn't. And that's what I would do is, is I wor was working back. And when my legs started hurting too much, I would just take my prosthesis off and continue practicing because mm -hmm. I had been practicing. I, I had been doing full primary and, and much of the first part of second um, before I got my prosthesis um, mm -hmm. because why not? You know, yeah, there sure. were a few things I, I couldn't do, um, but you know, to keep your back strength, there's lots of ways you can access those postures and not have two feet. And, yeah. um, so it was a process and that's the thing about what I learned and what most people don't know. Everybody kind of thinks that once you get your prosthesis, you're off and running. And, no. um, that was a really big letdown for me. And, and, um, that was very difficult because like I, when I got my prosthesis, I could, it took me like six weeks of putting it on every day to have like one or two pain-free steps. Wow. You know, it was, it, and then, and so it, it's a long process. Um, yeah. And, and then getting the prosthesis to fit right, having it adjusted right. And then building up, then the pain that you get in your back when you're trying to build up those muscles again in your, you know, in the muscles yeah. that have weakened from not putting any leg, you know, you haven't put any resistance on that, on my um, uh, residual leg um, yeah. since the accident. So of course you're, you've lost a ton of muscle mass and strength and that, and you have to right. build all of that back up from scratch. And wow. it's funny because the, the one thing that I thought I would be able to do is, and I, wow. <laughs> I thought, cause before I was going to India, I mean, before the accident, I was, you know, Dropping now, drop backs and backbending for me has always been a huge challenge. Like, right. um, I was an upside down alligator when I first started practicing. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. had no flexibility in my back whatsoever, so it took me years to drop back and stand up again. Like, and and right. years. So, um, I thought that because I was strong, I was going to India. I was really in in really good shape. I was my practice was really spot on. And uh, I really thought that Irva Danyarasana would come like with one leg. And, um, and, and that just never happened. Like I, wow. I, for months and months, and Eddie and I both were like, 
I just don't understand like why he's like, I don't know. And you know, he would help me lift me up. And, and it just, that was just an impossible thing. I could, I never got it without a leg on. So mm-hmm. it's finally come back. Like it's taken a long time, but now it's, it's, I can't drop back yet. I, I still a goal. I, I'd like to drop back again um, mm-hmm. and stand up, but we'll see. I'm not sure I ever will again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think so. I'd, I'd like to, because there's that, that well the thing is is so again the stress and trauma of having a major accident is really hard on you but then you're using a I was in a wheelchair for six months um I was also on crutches for a year and a half and so your shoulders just get so tight Um, yeah and so and plus with the trauma so and that's where and where I hold all of my stress and anxiety and all of that stuff so that that's taken a that's what's been holding me back on on backbending it's not the flexibility or not strength in my legs or belly it's my shoulders are so darn tight still so, yeah what's interesting yeah. um i have one student that i worked with for a really long time before she moved to australia um her name's kate Sofford. i maybe hmm. people know her maybe yeah. not maybe she's listening i don't know <laughs> but she also had a prosthetic uh, leg yeah. as well from yeah. when she was a child. Oh, I remember when we met her in Australia yeah. when we were at Santina's. Yes, yeah. but she's Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> but she also, I mean, is a phenomenal practitioner and has learned, you know, into the beginning of third series now. Um, yeah. But dropping back was is really challenging because you don't have yeah. the same proprioception nope. through both legs. And, well, so, and your leg and your knee, like when you're, I yeah. think I'll come up before, and your knee collapses. Like when you bend right. your leg and you, you, there's a point of no return that you, right. you don't have this, you don't have the muscles in your feet, in your foot to hold, to push you back up. So if yeah. it's like, that's why walking on uneven ground and with the prosthesis is really difficult because it kind of throws you forward because your ankle doesn't bend very much. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's very challenging and but you know we are tangies we we never um yeah she's uh, she's kept i mean i don't know if she's trying. still trying but she's been working on it for a long time but i mean she yeah. could do kapotasana and all of it so it's it's interesting i think the dropbacks are particularly challenging yeah. uh piece yeah. of the practice if you know you don't have that equal pressure and and like you say even through the ankle right that flexibility yeah. to move the ankle on that one side Huh. Yeah, you can't move. You have to move it. Well, you, I mean, you don't move your feet. And what I do at home, I mean, I have a whole sequence to to be able to do Urdhvadhanyasana. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have like a, um, a yoga swing, and I put my knees up against the wall, and it's like perfectly right. balanced, so I can drop back, and my knees are pressing against the wall, but then my my prosthetic, my my prosthesis doesn't, my knee doesn't collapse. So right. then when I get down to the, the, the blocks, which I'm, I can't get to the ground yet, but then I can, I can then push into my feet and then find it. So, you know, I was wondering, yeah, like, like, uh, I was thinking like maybe, cause I've noticed this uh, when your feet are locked, it's sometimes easier to do a, a back bend. So like, I wonder if like a pair of ski boots and skis, <laughs> you know, and then you have like a, and like a little ledge behind you. <laughs> And then you could just like go back and come up, go back and come up. 
just. <laughs> Can you do Utita Hosta on the prosthetic now? Um, so, you know, it's funny. When I first started doing it at Eddie's, um, it was so hard. Like, yeah. it, it, like because that side was very weak and I, I would have to hold on for dear life to something on yeah. my right side. So my left right. side, I, I mean, the first side I can do no problem. The, the yeah. mom, bouncing on the prosthetic foot is is very challenging however and i never thought that it would really get be that good but now it, and then it kind of gradually moved to where i'd have like my whole hand planted on the wall i do go to the wall for it mm-hmm. and but then now i just have one finger on the wall oh, wow so and and even with um with artabata as well like i i'm getting that one has taken me longer um, because getting your foot into half lotus and and balancing on the prosthetic right. on the prosthesis yeah. is challenging. So, but even that one has in the last few months has really shifted quite a lot. And so, you know, that's the thing is is you just do it every day and and you see what happens. And and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But but it has it's it's way better than it was um, you know two years ago for sure. You know, there's something really interesting. I wonder if, um, if you if you were to take someone who had a, a similar accident uh, four years ago, would would they say? Would the doctor say that their um, PT is 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 finished? Or if they've they've done it and they're just like getting on with their their life? Because it seems like for you. Every day you're you're discovering something because you have an this yoga practice it's yeah. and the yoga practice is called yoga chikitsa we're all doing a kind of therapy on the the yeah. asymmetries and the mistakes of and design flaws of the human body <laughs> and so we're all kind of working on therapy every day and you are but at what point are you doing yoga chikitsa and and someone else is doing pt am i making am, am i am i i'm making well, a distinction think- there well, honestly, I feel like, and, and I'm on, of course, a bunch of support groups for amputees as well. And yeah. um, it surprises me how many people think that PT only happens at a PT office. Like, hmm, and, yeah. I mean, we are Ashtangis, so we definitely are predisposed to liking vigorous exercise in general, right? right? Yeah. Um, this is not the norm. Like, and, and when people say, oh, my back is hurting, I'm like, well, you need to be doing your PT, you know? So right. whatever that is, or doing your yeah. yoga or doing, doing plank or chaturanga or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like I, I don't see PT as a, as there's an end. Now, of yeah. course, if you have a specific injury that you, you have to get range of motion back and that, then yes, that that's different. Um, but, but when you're talking about strength building, then it just morphs as you get stronger. Like you just, you know, and that's the same as our practice is as you get stronger and more flexible, guess what? You get something harder. Like that's, right, yeah. I think that it never ends. I, and I think that those of us who have been practicing and I'm talking about, you know, the, the people who've been practicing for 30 and 40 years who are 50, 60, 70 years old, you know, they understand that, that, that um, daily practice keeps them supple. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and even if you can't do, you know, um, 
whatever, um, Kapotasana, for example, yeah. or, yeah, yeah. or Karnavasana. Oh God, you right. know, like, okay, well, so what? Like the, the fact that you're jumping back and doing the, the vinyasas and, and the breath and all of that, it's just as beneficial. Um, yeah. You have to do it. And that's why doing it every day is just so important. That's what I think. I think it's something that you just, you do all day long. You know, like I've yeah. heard that, that someone said that about Barishnikov, that when you see Barishnikov, he's stretching. Wherever you see him, whatever he's doing, he's he's yeah. working on it. And so yeah. that's- Maybe not so much anymore. Well, no, I, I think, I, think <laughs> I've heard, I, I saw a New York Times interview with him just a couple of years ago. He was working on a thing. And when he's there with you, he's working on his legs. Right. And he's like, you may be having coffee, but he's stretching while he's having coffee. And like, that's how I run my whole life now. <laughs> when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in Lotus when I'm working at the desk, you know, I'm, I'm doing, uh, whenever I see any kind of ledge, I'm going to stretch on it or I'm going <laughs> to, or, you know, if I go out to the car, I'm going to do pull-ups, you know, cause it's like, oh, that's a good place for pull-ups. I'll do that. And just, it's just something that you just constantly do. Yeah. in life is and so the the at some point the I, I just love that the boundary between pt and yoga is very is very um very thin at that point did you do some other exercises uh sam for to like get mm. quad strength back or hamstring strength or anything like that um i definitely well we got a rower because that was something i could do with one leg um, right. I tried a bicycle um, and I was going to a gym for a while, but God, that was terrible. I, I hated that because you just, I kept like hitting the pedal with my leg. It would kind oh, of yeah. swing around and that was just not any fun at all. And, and um, so I, um, the rower was really, because I can't, you know, for a long time, you know, I could, a thousand steps was my max and right. um, because just, it was just too painful. And, you know, if you count a thousand steps, you know, now I've got a thousand steps done before I even hit my yoga mat, you know, but, right. but back then, like that was my limit. So that was why I used a wheelchair because it wasn't that I couldn't walk and people kind of laughed because, um, well, I went to Boulder and I did a month long with uh, Richard and Mary before I had my prosthesis mm -hmm. and, um, I was in my wheelchair and then I also had this like walking crutch that I would kneel on. And right. um, we went to the baseball game. A friend of mine and I um, went to a baseball game together. And uh, <laughs> and I like I was in the wheelchair because I knew it was going to be a long distance, and I couldn't walk that long on crutches and and on my little walking on my kneeler crutch thing. Mm -hmm. And um, and she would just crack up because when I had to stand up to do something, I'd just pop up out of the wheelchair and like if I had to pay for food or a drink or whatever. And she's just like, Oh my God. And she's like, you're faking it. I was like, I have one leg. I'm not faking it. <laughs> like she was joking. But yeah. she said, it just cracks me up whenever you pop up out of the chair. And well, and then, that was the, one of the days I went to Eddie's. Another funny story was um, I was going in and, and he had steps in his, um, but I would hook right. my crutches on the wheelchair and, um, so who knows where I had to park? I had to park some, I would, would started driving. I wasn't take, I haven't taken the subway since my accident. It's just too much. But yeah. um, anyway, so I could park somewhere near, I, New York city has a special disabled parking um, thing. So you can, um, so you can park in, in no parking zones, which is really makes it manageable. 
Um, so, and so I would get the wheel, I would hop out of the car and hop back and pull my wheelchair out of the, the trunk. And then you're not supposed to hop as an amputee because it's bad for your knees, but whatever. Right. Um, I did what I had to do. And, you're uh, an Ashtangi. So, you can have right. it. <laughs> so I get in the wheelchair and then I get to Eddie's the first day and I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And so, because I could stand up and get into Eddie's, but I couldn't leave my, my wheelchair outside in Brooklyn. Someone would steal it. So right. um Rika shows up. If she, she listens to this, she'll laugh because um, she shows up and I hadn't been to Eddie's in a long time. And, and every, all the cab drivers, everybody else who had been helping me, like dealing with the wheelchair was such a chore because it's, they're kind of heavy and bulky and weird. And Rika just, I said, could you help me bring this in? And she just goes, bloop, bloop, and like puts it right inside the door, like nothing. And I was like, oh, yeah. welcome to Ashtanga world. Like yeah. people are super like in crazy strong. Yeah. yeah, the core strength is there. It's always there. <laughs> We're also just happy to fold things up, you know. <laughs> Our bodies are under room. Yeah. Yeah. We like folding and unfolding. <laughs> So I, I'd have to think that at every single facet of your life, like brushing your teeth, you know, yeah. being intimate with your husband, getting out of a taxi, the impact yeah. of the injury must must impact must create a, a you know a factor into the equation, and I'm, and I'm, it must be frustrating. Yeah, I mean. I remember the first day I was home um, and I actually, cause I have a yoga studio in my house and um, I had, my friends had come to uh, teach for me while I was in India, but little did they know, you know, when I came home that, well, I didn't go to India, but they ended up taking care of me, but, and running the program while I was um, incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that first day getting up and it was kind of the first time I had had to do something by myself. And I wanted to make a coffee and um, I get to, we have a, a, a coffee, you know, automatic machine mm-hmm. and, um, but I couldn't reach the milk and I couldn't reach the cup and I couldn't, you know, and I was yeah. in a lot of pain and um, I just kind of sat in front of the coffee machine and cried. And I was just like, Aww. cause you think that just pushing the button wouldn't be so hard, but the, all the other things that went away yeah. went along with it. And the other thing too, is that my house was just a mess for like two years. And I, I keep a rather fastidious house. I drive my yeah. husband crazy, um, yeah. but I just didn't have the energy or strength or a mobility, you know, vacuuming in a wheelchair. Try that one day. It's yeah. <laughs> just the worst. And so it just didn't get done a lot of the time. And, and right. yeah. that, I think that's the biggest lessons is that I've learned how to ask for help. Um, which I'm not very good at, um, and and knowing and and accepting that I can't do everything all the time. So that's it's a it's a challenge, especially I'm super independent. I always have been, and and yeah. I don't like having to ask for help. But you know, there were times where it just wasn't feasible. I, I couldn't not I couldn't do some things. Yeah. Um, and 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 I was really happy for those first few months that my friends were here that a plate of food arrived in front of me <laughs> that oh. I didn't have to cook it I didn't have and that was the thing I hated the most on one leg was cooking I just uh, standing at the stove was just ridiculous and I hated it and yeah. you know crock there were lots of crock pot meals <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing all the little things that we take yeah. for granted that you know 
You well, don't even think a about shower. Like, I don't know if you saw my, my Instagram post this year, this week, I, I finally like through in the lockdown, um, we had a leak in our bathroom that wrecked the yoga studio. So I got a new floor in the yoga studio, but we finally, because we haven't spent any money on um, traveling, um, I finally had enough money to, to redo my bathroom and it's a fully accessible bathroom now. And cause that's the hardest place, right? Because a, it's slippery cause it's wet yeah. and yeah. you're on one foot. You can't hop around. So it's no. the bathrooms are very, very tricky. And, um, so it, it's just been such a joy this week that I have a new bathroom and take, I can take a shower. I hadn't taken, a, we have another bathroom, but I hadn't taken a shower since February because the other bathroom is people don't really, if you sit down on a stool or something in a bathtub and it's a normal shower, the, the water hits you in the face. Yeah. So, so it's yeah, not a pleasant experience, <laughs> so, you know. I, I always like sitting down in the shower and crying. So <laughs> that was my special place. I, I just want to—I want to say that you're that you're so in, incredibly infectiously good-humored, and yeah. it's incredibly inspiring. Because I, I know you've struggled with depression and bad feelings, but it's like you're—you're just—it's an incredible story, and the way that you, you go about your life is—is—is. Is, is, I'm just in awe and and I'm grateful that you you would tell us your story. I but I I want to know what do you want to do now? Now that that's now that you know you're doing yoga and 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 whatnot, but what do you want to do now? I I I understand that you wanted to you want to see every baseball stadium. Oh. Well, yes, and uh, I I'm almost there. Um, I'm at, I wasn't 26, but then Dallas got a new stadium, so uh. now I'm back at 25. Um, <laughs> and I I I made some good progress last year because when that was one of the main reasons I went down to Miami was because I hadn't been to the baseball stadium. So I went to Atlanta, Miami, and Tampa. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because the, the Padres were playing the weekend before Sherratt started teaching so yeah. I went to Atlanta first and then I flew to Miami I saw two or three games I think Harmony you I, I was watching the fireworks I was a bad lady that night I stayed up super yeah. late at the baseball game oh. watching the fireworks and then um and then I drove over I a, play in those stadiums that's hard to do so um yeah. that's the next thing once I finish all 30 stadiums then uh then maybe I'll do see the pod. Now I've seen the Padres. If the Padres are playing, then of course that's who I go and see. Yeah. Um, but uh, this year was different, you know. Well, oh, that was one thing I wanted to say about baseball too, is that um, so the one thing about baseball is that um, it all stadiums are really accessible. And um, so when I was in the wheelchair, um, I could go, I really could go to any baseball stadium and not have any trouble at all. And, and every stadium I went to, everybody was so helpful to get me where I needed to go to get to seats that I could, that were accessible. And it was fabulous. And you get to the front of the lines, like even at Yankee stadium, they had a special line to, for me to buy a ticket. Cause we, our apartment was right across the bridge from Yankee stadium. So um, as much as I don't really like the Yankees, um, yeah, I, I, mean, who I, I still like baseball. So, um, it's nice to go see other teams beat the Yankees anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then we, we went out to, um, we went out to spring training in, in Arizona, 
2017, I think it was. And that was my first trip after um, the accident. And so that was great. And again, all accessible and, and you can find your seats and it, it's great. So I, I have to say that that was another part of, of this whole thing was that something that I really loved was, was not a limit, you know, like yeah. I could, mm-hmm. I could, I could still access it and still, and it was a joy, you know? So it, it was some, sometimes you just have to like indulge yourself a little bit because you're struggling and, okay. and those small indulgences of going to a baseball game and, and just enjoying yourself is, is not a terrible thing. So mm-hmm. um, that was, that was really a nice, nice part of the whole um now, I mean, this season we didn't have any real baseball, but but yeah. uh, um, <laughs> it's okay. Hopefully, next year we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, you know what I love about what I love about your whole story and your journey, and like going through, you know, losing your leg. It's, I mean, it's so unfathomable in some ways. It's so like something that you would never you know, wish for anyone, but you're the way you speak about it and the way that things have unfolded for you in a way it was just, I mean, not just, but it was like, you've worked through it, like just an obstacle or an injury or something that you're going to, um, you know, integrate into your life and still thrive and your practice, you know, I think, has helped you, but it's also, you know, you've used the practice to help, um, create this, this integration. And also the practice itself hasn't been an obstacle for you. It, mm-hmm. It's been a tool. And I think there's just such a wonderful lesson for everybody to absorb in that, because sometimes we think that the practice is the thing, you know, it's the goal, mm-hmm. it's the thing to look at. It's the, you know, rather than using it as a tool to help us, you know, feel better and live better and integrate pieces of ourselves into a bigger whole. And I just love that, you know, something, I mean, you've, you've actually done this in a very real and tangible and literal way, having to like put the pieces of yourself back together and create like a whole, integration, new integration of yourself. But I think that's kind of what we're all trying to do in the practice. Yeah. Every day. Well, I mean, it, it definitely helps having amazing teachers that support you no matter what. And, and Eddie and Shirachi have been that um, definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, well, and Jeff, yeah. As, <laughs> as he's, um, yeah. He's been, he's a saint. Definitely. Um, but the thing that I think that shifted for me the, the most was I really stopped caring about what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really hard thing for us Ashtangis. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it really kind of forced me to just accept today is what today is. And, and I remember when I was struggling with Supta Karmasana and, you know, the, and backbending too, I'd get so angry and, and my practice would, you know, and I mean, that was a process too. I think everybody has to go through that, mm-hmm. but 
the fact that I think like I do my practice, whatever that is. And, and I don't beat myself up if I can or can't do something on any given day and that's okay. And, um, and that's, I think if, if anybody can take a little bit of that into their daily practice, um, that it will just benefit you so much more because then your practice really becomes, like you said, the, the tool to help you deal like with this COVID shutdown and all of that, like yoga was what has gotten me through all of that. It's not the, you know, all of the stress. It was very scary. And I work at a food pantry every Friday and it's like, um, how are we going to do this safely for the, the guests that are coming to our food pantry and continue through all of this craziness and in New York to boot, you know, we were right. hit the hardest and the fastest and, and it was very, very scary, but you know, you still get to the mat and you just figured it out. And, and so far we haven't had to shut down the food pantry and, and you just keep going, you know, yeah. it's that acceptance of, of what you can do today is, is far more challenging than getting Kapotasana, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I just really want to thank you again for being on the show and, and sharing. And it's, it's, um, I admire your courage, but also you're just so upbeat. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I wonder, are you, are you different now f than you were six years ago? Or are you, are you, are you oh, yeah. the same kind of plucky Samantha Lucas now <laughs> as then? Well, I think, you know, I, I've, I've always been an upbeat person, definitely. Um, but I, I, I think I'm better at, well, not better. I, I think I'm accepting the challenges are, is still hard. You know, I still want to be the, the one to do everything and to tell, tell everybody, you know, uh, that everything's fine and that. And um, I feel like it definitely uh, that's a very hard question. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not as carefree as I once was. I'm more cautious about stuff before I was kind of like, whatever, you know, whatever happens, happens, life is life and that. And, and now, I mean, the accident and having to go through such a major trauma definitely has shifted. Um, I, I'm not as, um, maybe brazen at stuff anymore, which is mm -hmm. okay. Maybe that comes with age as well. Um, I, I have gotten back on a motorcycle. Um, uh, I haven't, I, we bought a new motorcycle last year. That was a, a, I didn't like it very much. It was a small one to get me back on and I did like it. Um, but then I, it, it, my bike is ready for me to ride again. And, um, it's been sitting in the garage all year. So I, I don't know. Um, We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think that I need to get back on the bike to prove that I can do it just to myself. That it, and then it'll be a choice of whether or not I, I continue riding again. I, I just don't know yet. Does Jeff still ride? He does. Um, he actually, well, before this, well, we didn't really anticipate COVID, you know, in the beginning, we didn't know what was happening. So he actually got a new bike and rebuilt it and, not a new bike, but a bike that needed some work. And he rebuilt the whole thing um, the first couple months of, of this whole shutdown in, yeah. in 
in preparation, thinking that instead of riding the train into the city, he would take the bike into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and but his company has said, well, you don't have to come back, and we'll re we'll relook at it in January. So oh. um, he he hasn't actually used it. He does still ride. He went to Europe, uh, not this year, obviously, because it got canceled. He went last year. Um, I didn't go because I wasn't ready to ride, and and um, yeah. I painted the house while he was he was away. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. but that's the thing. It's like though that's one more thing I'll say is it's it's not about whether or not you can do something. I think anybody with a disability, and yes, I do have a disability, and I'm okay with that word. Everybody gets kind of caught up in the semantics of disability or handicap. Handicap is a little passe, but disability is the current term, I believe, or differently abled, whatever. Um, It's not that you can't do anything. um, It's that you have to figure out how. And that's yeah. the same with your yoga practice. It's not that you can't do it. It's just you have to figure it out. And sometimes it takes a long time to figure that out. But, you know, it's it's just part of life. And, and yeah, I the struggle is real. And, and there are some days where I just don't want to do any much of anything. But then there are other days where I'm, you know, walk 10,000, 15,000 steps. Like, it, you know. Yeah, that's more than I do a day for sure. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty done by the end of those days, but uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. thank you, Samantha. Well, thank you both for pleasure. inviting me. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I, I, I just, I think you're so inspirational and all of the things that you just shared are just, I mean, they inspire me to get on my yoga mat and stop making lame ass excuses. <laughs> You know, well, <laughs> my students, it's like, really, you're complaining to me. No, no, yeah. <laughs> where, where can uh, where can people find you to study with you? Well, I, I have basically shut down from COVID. I, I didn't really want to. Um, pivot. I didn't have enough students to really pivot to the an online um, format. So mm-hmm. I practice with with a few people. Um and I don't know. I mean, if you're ever in upstate New York after this COVID thing and want to come and practice, you can always find me, um, Samantha Lucas Ashtanga, on Instagram and PM me, and and I'm happy to invite you into my studio and we can practice together. So that's, that's where a, I am. That's, with that. a, it, that's a pretty broad space. Is there like a particular town? <laughs> oh, we're in. So um, the best way we are. Um, so two hours north of the city. Um, where Connecticut and Massachusetts meet, so just by the Berkshires, we are ju- yeah. I'm just below that, but just just on the Connecticut border, um, about ten miles south of the Connecticut Massachusetts border, on and, the New York that's, side. That's uh, Tom Rosenthal's out there in the Berkshires. He's an hour north of. of yeah. Us, so he's okay. Out, yeah, he is in the Berkshires. We are not. We are we're in the Taconics, um, uh, down a little further south. Okay. All right, well, you seem really yeah. hesitant to say your town's name, but that's fine. Oh, Amenia. We're going to move no, on. We don't need to hear the name of the town. Nobody's heard gonna... of it. That's why. Amenia, New York. <laughs> what's, what's it called again? Amenia, A-M-E-N-I-A. Amenia, New York. Okay. Well, had, to get, had to pry that out of you. You're like, no one, no one knows this town. <laughs> no, no one knows fine. this town. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to be found. I was like imagining you in, in like the middle of, of a field somewhere yeah. without a name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a village, really. It's a little tiny, tiny town. So. Uh, <laughs> that sounds idyllic. 
It is. We live at the top of a hill. We have a beautiful view of the Berkshires and the Taconics. So, yes, it's a beautiful place. Oh, so nice. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you. Samantha is wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.